Arsenal, the latest club uh, to be starting the process of leaving the group that are intending to set up that Super League. They joined Manchester City and Chelsea in that process. And significantly, or maybe not, Graham, they are the first of the American-owned clubs yeah. to, to, to start that process. Now, this week, we're going to take a little break. We're not going to look at the Raptors' four-game win streak or the possible 10th seed chase. Instead, in the spirit of the Super League and, I guess, the difference between American and European leagues in general, we're going to have a special episode on what the likes of the draft, what relegation and promotion mean, salary caps and everything around that. This is a really special crossover episode, especially for those of our British fans who also dabble in American sports or vice versa. So obviously, to host this and guide us through is the expert himself, Pharrell. Welcome to the podcast and please take it away. Thank you, Kamel. This week has been absolutely mental when it comes to the football side of things. And it's, it's a sport that me and Kamel were very passionate about. We support opposing teams. Uh, two teams that are rivals when it comes to football so I guess it was quite like the time when I supported the Boston Celtics and uh, Kamel was a fan of the Raptors but let's pretend that chapter never happened um, yeah this episode was inspired by um, the decision by six Premier League teams so uh, six English teams they decided to join what was called the European Super League and um it's essentially got a format very similar to American sports and to the NBA. And um, I think, Kamel, if you want to quickly touch on it, just to explain how it all works and operates. Yeah, so essentially uh, what we know in terms of European sports is that there is generally a degree of promotion, relegation and the grassroots, which means that even if a team starts up, perhaps in the 11th tier, they can make it to the very top um, if they're good enough. It means there's competition with every season. It means there's no such thing as tanking, no such thing as getting a high draft pick by doing badly one season. Essentially, it's the notion that you must compete to your very best every single season. And if you don't, you can actually end up in a downward spiral. Uh, obviously, the American system... You can go to a lower league. Exactly, exactly. What the Super League wanted to do was almost ring fence off 12 teams to a elite, so-called elite league, to which no matter how they played during the season, they would always be in this league. They would not have to qualify. They would not have to prove themselves over 38, 40 games. They would simply be in this league permanently. And of course, for three of the six English teams had American owners. One, of course, Stan Kroenke, owner of Arsenal, also owner of the Denver Nuggets, right? And you then look at maybe an Americanization of the kind of system. So that's a little explainer of the controversies behind it. Yeah, and um, we're not going to dive too much uh, too in-depth into like the issues uh, surrounding that because um, it's probably been done to death, in all honesty, in English media, if any of you guys listen to it. But of course, uh, we do have some uh, American and Canadian listeners, so if you guys want to look into it, I would recommend... Uh, looking up maybe uh, Sky Sports Football, looking up uh, Gary Neville and Jamie Redknapp's take on the whole matter. But again, we're not going to discuss 
to watch this episode. But what we did want to talk about was just the philosophical approach of this uh, 32-team system that the NBA has. And um, there we wanted to discuss, for example, one, what if there was the possibility of the worst teams being relegated from this league? What would that mean for the NBA? What things would have to change for that to happen? And of course, one of the things you could immediately point to is the NBA draft compel because you would no longer have this situation where these bottom-feeding teams, this process-like system that was introduced or, let's say, popularised by the 76ers, that couldn't happen anymore. You, fans would actually be turning up to 76ers games during that period and they would actually potentially be more excited than if the team was a fringe playoff team as there would be the possibility of the team being relegated to a lower league. For me, that is tremendously exciting and it's something that I've actually heard some American sports commentators and fans say as to a major reason as to why they actually made the switch from American sports to soccer, as you guys like to call it, is because of this uh, extra degree of competitiveness uh, that this, uh, let's call it the the European system has, as opposed to uh, the NBA and American system. Well, as luck has it, of course, we've got a perfect example of this in the Toronto Raptors this season. The fan base is really, really divided into two camps. Tank or go for it. But as Blake Murphy in The Athletic says, players don't tank, right? Players compete. Players should want to compete. Fans should want to win every game. doesn't matter if you get a couple of lower picks in the draft, right? You should want to win every single game you can. That's the, the I guess that's the ideology and the philosophy that we as maybe we used to European leagues have been brought up in. Uh, but it's a different kind of system and I suppose, though, there are some benefits to the American system, of course. Um, you know, there's not as much loyalty. There's not as much as we saw by, you know, teams literally picking up and moving to different cities. Uh, players not really connected to one place with the exception of a few. Um, there are some benefits, though, right? In terms of you look at the salary cap and the draft, there is some equity there that's not necessarily replicated in the European leagues. Yeah. However, as that... Going on that point, Mel, so the next thing to discuss would be what would happen to the young players in the league because the concept of a draft would be completely unworkable because, again, there is no worst team to get the best player and there is no best team to select the worst player. So the only possible workaround would, of course, be for these big teams, uh, potentially these big market teams, to sign the best young talent. So you'd have the likes of Zion Williamson. Uh, You'd potentially have all the options in the world. You would have 18, 19 teams offering uh, rookie deal contracts for him. And those contracts wouldn't just be for, you know, four, five or six millions on on those rookie contracts. You could see the likes of Zion or even Lamella Ball um, being offered, let's say, $15 million contracts, which would appear to be uh, absurd to our current NBA fans. So... Um, would would you argue, Kamel, that the current NBA system is actually potentially more of a fair playing field when it comes to some of these worst teams being able to attract the top young talent? Yeah, it's it's not only a more play, more fair playing field than the Super League, but definitely the whole system in general. If we look at Europe as a as a as a general, right? There's a reason why these sort of twelve teams emerged as the Super League. It's because 
year on year on year they have dominated. And it's not dominating like the Lakers or the Celtics have done, right? It's really just, as you say, poaching all the best young players, paying the highest salaries to the current best players. And essentially, there, there's no degree of equity there. Yes, occasionally you will get a wondrous season a la Leicester 2016. But it's very rare sight. Meanwhile, you have, as you said, likes of Lamelo Ball. He'll go to the worst team last year, for example, which was Charlotte. Uh, Zion will go to the New Orleans, right? And if we look at what OKC have done, they've been very smart in sacrificing maybe one season in order to gain seven or more draft picks and set themselves up for 10 years. It, it gives themselves to a lot more strategy. Teams will always have a chance the next year and the, you don't get stuck in... You could imagine the Lakers and the Celtics and probably the Knicks just being an untouchable three uh, had there not been this draft sure. in salary caps. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that... However, the counter-argument to that, so I did have a deep think about this, Kamel, is that despite this so-called salary crap, you still do have richer teams and you do have more attractive teams for free agents. So there's a reason why almost the majority of NBA championships in history have only been won by two teams. Yeah. It's been the Boston Celtics and the LA Lakers. So despite what we call this level playing field, there are still let's say, not just those two, but um, you obviously had the Warriors dynasty. You had um, the Bulls in the 80s, for example. You have had dynasties despite this level level playing field. And you still had teams that, I believe, are there still teams in the NBA now, Kamel, that have never won a championship? I'm sure there are. Um, So it seems as though, especially if you look at these smaller franchises, um, in areas like, say, Milwaukee, where, you know, you just have a smaller population and less capital in the city. So they're always going to have a tougher time of building championship contenders. Of course, we yeah, have think, uh, the Yannis situation Giannis, at the right? moment. But, no, but, yeah, exactly. But think now, no, the, the whole debate the, the around argument, that. Yeah, and just to finish that point, it's the argument that this, this creates some perfect play, level playing field, practically, that doesn't exist in the NBA. It doesn't, but in terms of creating a closed ring fence 32-team system, plus the salary cap, which of course doesn't matter too much because some owners, especially those in richer cities, can afford to you know just go into the luxury tax, and that's fine. Um, but no, the dra- the draft does have some impact, definitely. I mean, Charlotte, of course, aren't well beaters with Lamelo. Neither are the Pelicans. But imagine if the Lakers were just able to offer a high contract uh, to Zion, right? And then suddenly he's playing with yeah. LeBron and AD. So it's different in that sense. It's preventative rather than equitable in some senses. Yes, yes, yes. A very good way of putting it. Now, um, moving on to the third point, Kamel. So we've discussed, I think, the two main points with this uh, franchise system. But lastly, if, we, if this uh, transition were to occur, what would the G League look like? Because for me, this current G League system, I'd actually say, even if we still stick with this franchise system, it could be improved by having potentially uh, teams that are independent from the, let's say, parent franchise. So, of course, we have um, the Toronto team. Is it called, what is it? It's like Toronto 605. I should 905, 905. 905, right. Um, Clearly, I've seen a lot of 905 games, but... um, 
rather than having purely um, like I said those teams being uh, connected with their parent franchises why not have some smaller city teams in there um, a, a very good real life example of this is the Spanish uh, second league in football where they do have some of these um, Barcelona B team Real Madrid B team but they also have um, smaller teams in that league so I think that would be pretty cool to see in the G League rather than just having um, LA Lakers' feeder team or the Clippers' feeder team. You actually have, uh, I don't know, you have, for example, I can't think of a smaller American city, like let's say it's San Jose Sharks, or I think they're a baseball team actually, but I think you get my point there, Camille. Yeah, yeah it's, it's an interesting one. I mean, it'll be so hard now for grassroots teams to come up and come anywhere near the level. I mean, can you imagine if a grassroots team was to form and then get promoted into the NBA? I mean, it would just be a massacre. Oh my goodness! Game, right? It would be like uh, the, the some of the Olympic <laughs> games at the Olympics that the USA play. Um, so it would be difficult at this point. But you know, there's there's lots of options. Maybe uh, you maybe you could combine the college into into that. Maybe G teams, G League teams could play against college teams. Maybe college teams can get promoted. It's all a crazy, crazy system. That'll be hard to reform, but uh, the, I think yeah. teams do need to make you more use of the G League and the, the league needs to make that second division more competitive and provide more incentives. In, in, in some way, yes. They need to do it in some way because at the moment, I mean, it's it's a very similar to the college system because if you have a player that's playing very well, what happens is that player is going to be taken off your hands and fed to the parent team. So it, there's a lot of very selfish incentives for the players in this G League not to play for their team not to play for a championship win for their G team but just to showcase their skills so that they can get picked up by uh, a legitimate NBA franchise so yeah I think as a fan if you're watching the G League the issue is why even bother because in terms of like the competitive side the only reason you'd have to watch a G League game is just to see uh, a, p- a particular player who you think has a chance to make the NBA at the moment. Yeah, let's make it more competitive. Let's put this year's Orlando Magic or Minnesota Timberwolves against, you know, the 905 or something like that. Like, uh, obviously, it can't it can't exactly work like that. But we kind of get what we're saying in terms of those bottom teams in the NBA need to have some incentive as well, as well not to not to lose. And then the, thus the G League teams would also have some incentive to perform and there would be some competition there there's that alternative and of course there's a grassroots alternative which will take years and years to form of course in England it formed via the likes of factory workers and and basically working class people getting together and forming teams in the individual towns or and cities and, and factories and workplaces so it's a very different culture overall which is very hard to replicate but We've, I think we've outlined a couple of good alternatives in this podcast that, when thought through, could be feasible for Adam Silver in the league. Yo, Kim, can you stop it there, if it's possible? I think some excellent points, Kamel, this episode. We kind of wanted to keep this one short and sweet just to maybe, you know, give a taste to your palates as, as to, uh, you know, these big issues. And uh, I'm not sure it's something that you've heard 
American broadcasters speak about too much because uh, to them, Europe is one just one country and it barely even exists even then. Um, so uh, it is something that has been discussed, obviously, in the English game uh, when it comes to English sports, I mean. And of course, we saw the effect with the European Super League. So I think it was just interesting for us to discuss the parallels that the um, Premier League system has with the NBA system, some of the pros and the cons. And uh, in all fairness, I think we're pretty happy with how both systems are. I think they work for their respective cultures. Um, cultures. And I mean, when you've had these systems for so long, for 50 years, everything towards those leagues is geared towards those particular systems. So it would take a monumental amount of change. As we saw with this uh, football system, it's something that they'd been uh, connivishly, sneakily working on for two, three years behind every single fan's back, behind every single um, even manager and team's back. So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy listening to this episode. And for once, I've been given the privilege to wrap things up. So uh, very, very pleased to, <laughs> about that. Maybe I'm getting promotion soon. Not quite sure. Don't count on it. Um, anything else to add for now? No, I think we've we've defined it. It's, 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 just, it's, just, it's just a culture clash, man. I mean, Europe will continue to resist or European fans will continue to resist the Americanization of their sport. I think Americans are fairly happy with the, how, how their system's going overall. Uh, it just depends if American owners of those English clubs can listen to fans for once. Um, but we'll be back next week with um, a wrap-up of the Raptors. Maybe they'll have still be on a win streak uh who knows but we'll be back with uh some more pure raptors next week uh otherwise we'll see you next time this was short and sweet this is balling in the six follow us on twitter at balling in the six and follow Varal or make Varal get a twitter because he still hasn't uh we'll see you next time catch you all next week guys with the first pick in the 2020 nba draft the minnesota timberwolves select Anthony Edwards from the University of Georgia.